0: This week's episode deals with some difficult topics and some mature content. Um, We won't be going into extreme detail on these, so feel free to listen, but we did want to give um, a warning for anyone who might be affected by issues dealing with sexual assault.
1: Hi, and welcome to the F Word Podcast. I'm Emma. And I'm Kate. And... This week we are focusing on the 1950s, and who else would I choose other than Rosa Parks? So Kate's gonna give you a little bit of background information, and then I'll dive into everything about her. So Rosa Parks was born on February 4th, 1913, and she died on October 24th, 2005. So her full name was Rosa Louise McCauley, um, and she was born in Tuskegee, Alabama. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Um, and she kind of grew up living in a family that was very, very heavily focused on education because her mom was a teacher, um, and her and her parents moved to Pine Level, Alabama when she was two years old, and she had a little brother named Sylvester who was born in 1915, so he's two years older than her, um, and he was born after the parents divorced. Um, so that's something to mention is that her parents were divorced. Um, her dad was a carpenter, but it was just very, like, in her family growing up for her, obviously they didn't have money growing up as black, black a black family in the southern United States. Um, you know, they didn't have a lot, and so her family really, really valued education and civil rights. Her grandparents were actually previous slaves, and so... She looked up to her grandparents a lot, um, and then she was a member of an African church. Um, obviously, it had to be segregated because um, around the time that she was growing up and stuff was when Jim Crow laws were invented. Um, and then her family moved to Montgomery, which is where she kind of spent most of her life. When she was eleven, and she went to high school, uh, she went to the school. Um, it's the name of it's a college, but You get, I don't know. It's a little bit confusing. Um, She attended the Alabama State Teachers College. um, And there's more to the name, but I'm not going to say it just because I don't feel comfortable saying it. Um, But it was a segregated school. So it was specifically for people of color. Um, And then at 16, she left her junior year of high school to take care of her ill grandma. And then eventually her mother got chronically ill, meaning like she could never... Mm -hmm. Go back to the way she used to be, which is something that I deal with. You know, my mom; she has a chronic illness, and so I had to take time out of my life to help her. That you know, I wasn't expecting to, but um, also Rosa Parks and I. She, her birthday's a day after mine, so I thought that was interesting. Um, and then in 1932, when she was 19, she married Raymond Park. Um, Raymond Parks. I don't know why I wrote Park. Um, He was a self-educated and supportive man, and he was 10 years older than her, actually, so he was a lot older than her, Um, and he was a longtime member of the NAACP, which is the National Mm -hmm. Association for Advancement of Colored People, Um, and... Which is still a thing. Oh, yeah, and he pushed her to finish and get her high school diploma, so she got that whenever she was 20 years old. She got her high school diploma. Um, They never had kids... I think a lot of it was because they were both so active in their civil rights careers. Um, and they are both very, very active in the League for Women Voters, um, which I thought was... You know, this episode isn't super about feminism, but I think that, especially nowadays, you can't be a feminist without supporting the advancement of people of color, you know? Like... It's so, you can't say, I'm a feminist, but not support Black Lives Matter. It's something that, like... Well,
0: it's the... We've talked about it before, of, like, the intersection of all these different human rights movements, because, Mm -hmm. essentially, they're all fighting on the basis of, like, equality. Equality,
1: yeah. Um, and so, in her early years, um, her early 20s, she worked as a seamstress, so she was really into sewing, um, and that was kind of the only job that they had at the time, um, because of world war one you know world war ii was the war that pushed women into careers but um even at a young age she was a heavily respected member of the african-american community in montgomery um and she experienced really really heavy jim crow laws because they were introduced to her at such a young age um And her husband really didn't want her to do this, but in 1943, she became the Montgomery Chapter Secretary of the NAACP. Um, So she became, like, because they're all in chapters Mm -hmm. in the different places in America, so she became the secretary for the chapter in Montgomery. And her work with the, I have a hard time saying it, NAACP goes really, really unnoticed This was something that I had no idea until I figured it out and researched it, is that she worked specifically on criminal justice in communities in Alabama. She was really, really, really passionate about, you know, helping minorities have a voice. And one thing that she did is she protected black men from false accusations, like the Emmett Till case. Obviously, she didn't work on that case, but with Emmett Till, you know, he... I don't know if our listeners know the story. And like Kate said, this has mature themes. This episode is a little bit more of a mature episode just because there's heavy, heavy um, white supremacy and lots and of violence. And lots of violence. So the Emmett Till case is basically... Emmett Till was, um a very young boy who was African-American who, you know, he was with his friends. I think that they were at, like, some drugstore, and a white woman was there, and he, like made a comment to her. I don't think it was a sexual advancement whatsoever, but she told her husband, and then her husband and his friends killed Emmett Till. Very, very gruesome, like, disgusting. And he was so young. I think he was, like, a young teenager. Um, And it was a false accusation, you know? The the woman later came out and said that he he didn't make any sexual advances towards her. Um, So I think that... One thing that Rosa Parks, she was influenced by, was seeing that her whole life, Um, and she also protected black men from lynchings, because that was something that took place during the um, Jim Crow law time, Um, and something that I think is super, super unnoticed, that this is going to be the trigger warning um, for the sexual assault topic, which... Like Kate said, we're not going to dive super deep into, but I think it's really important to know Mm. what she did for for people. Um, She ensured that black people assaulted by white people would get to go to court. That was something that she really, really, really cared about because so many black people were being pushed away from the court Mm. because they were being, it was black versus white, and it was the white as the aggressor, not the black, Um, which is actually a lot more common than you would... Assume, um, and to her, sexual assault cases were very important because she had a white male neighbor try to assault her one time, and I think that this came from her um, autobi- autobiography. But she said, "I was ready to die, but give my consent, never, never, never." So she she never got assaulted, but there was a man who tried to, and so she kind of had that experience living through which you know way too many women and men get to say that you know and it shouldn't be that way and so she was a lead investigator which i think is really interesting she was a lead investigator in the rape of racy taylor so racy taylor was a woman um i couldn't find her exact age whenever this happened um but on Sunday, September 3rd, 1944, she was walking home from church with her friend, Fanny Daniel, um, and a car with seven white men approached and they started yelling at her and accusing her of attacking a white boy from another town. Um, and they blindfolded her, kidnapped her and raped her and then threatened to kill her. If she reported it to the police, um, And so she told her dad immediately, um, like told her family immediately, even though they had threatened death. um, And she actually never received justice for it, but I'm gonna go into a little bit more later, but there was a movie made in 2017 when she was 98 years old for her to finally tell her side of the story. Um, And Parks was, she was a very, very like, she was really involved with the case, um, and she co-founded and co-launched the Committee for Equal Justice for the Rights of Miss Racy Taylor, which was quoted as one of the most strong committees and strong acts of civil service, you know, that of that decade. Um, and that committee was basically really, really focused on releasing that information and getting that word out to people. Um, But unfortunately, the men were never charged. Um, And, you know, this case was so, you know, Rosa, Rosa Parks, she was so invested in it. And I think that that's something that, you know, she tried so hard to protect an innocent black woman. And especially at that time, and even now, black women are not appreciated enough. They are tormented and made fun of the most out of any sort of minority I've ever seen. You know, listening to the way that people mock black women and use AAVE, it's just... I don't know, it's something that I think that it shows a lot of strength from Rosa Parks to... You know, this was even before the whole bus situation, which I'm about to go into, but she... It wasn't like the bus was just like the first, her first act of, you know, um, civil disobedience. Um, So, moving into the bus situation, which I remember learning about in elementary school. Did you ever? Yeah. I mean, I was homeschooled, but my mom talked about it. What did she teach you? Because I guarantee you it's probably different than what they told me. If you can remember. I don't
0: really remember. I just know that she refused to give up her seat to Mm -hmm. someone. A white man. Yeah, Yeah, because... And, like, it wasn't, like, legally required for her to give up her seat if a white
1: person asked her to because she was colored. So, I was just about to talk about that. So, bus segregation was legal, but they kind of made it to, depending on the driver, the driver could either allow or not allow... um, The people of color to stand and like give up their seats so it was bus segregation was legal and it wasn't a problem in the law which obviously it was but they actually would let the drivers decide the you know the the way it would work on the bus so okay um so she was 42 whenever she was arrested um, and she was rested on her way home from work, working at the Montgomery Fair department store. And so she was a seamstress. She worked, you know, she worked with the, um, NAACP a lot, but her main, the way she made money was as a seamstress. And it was a really long day of work. So she, um, she was on her way home from work and this, this, um, this article that I read, it gave statistics. It said that 70% of bus riders were people of color and they had to sit in the back. So even though there was that segregation, 70% of people that rode buses were people of color because it was so expensive to have a car at that time. So public transport was something that they heavily relied on. And the people who created Jim Crow laws knew that. So um, the bus was pretty full. And she was already on it and this white man came in and the white section of the bus was fully packed. Nobody could sit like the, you know, sometimes if a bus is full, you stand. Um, Not like a school bus. Um, So he didn't have anywhere to sit. And so the bus driver said um, the passengers in the four seats of the first row of the color section. So that first row, he told them all to stand up. I don't really know why Um, he told them all to stand up, but something that a lot like I didn't know was that he like erased part of the colored section to let the white man like he you know took away a row of the colored section to Mm -hmm. give it to a white man I didn't know that I thought that she was sitting in the white section you know me being told that like growing up I remember being taught that she was sitting in a white section and they told her to get up and she said no that's what I was told you know um, but she was doing she was doing exactly what she was told to do. And then the driver told them to stand up and she said no. She she stood her ground. Um and in her autobiography she wrote, Quote, People always say that I didn't give up my seat because I was tired, but that isn't true. I was tired not physically. No, the only tired I was was tired of giving in. End quote. So basically people for a really long time because her autobiography didn't come out till many, many years later. A lot of people twisted the story and said that she was just being lazy and she didn't want to get up. Um, but that wasn't true. She was just tired of you know, letting these Jim Crow laws and segregation, she was tired of letting it happen. And actually she wasn't the first person to do this. So nine months before she was arrested, there was a 15-year-old girl that was arrested for doing it. I don't remember her name. I think I wrote it later, but she was arrested for doing the same exact thing. Um, Her name was Claudette Colvin. And um, so a lot of people said that because of that, her not giving up her seat was premeditated, but it wasn't. She just in the moment decided, you know? Um, And so during, you know, there was argument and obviously she was refusing which rightfully so I think she totally should have, and she did. Um, two police officers approached the bus because it was stopped on the side of the road. And they saw the commotion and they detained and arrested Rosa Parks. Um, and she used her one phone call to call her husband, but her husband you know, was so heavily involved in the black community that that word spread so fast. It, it got out very, very quickly. And it wasn't something that people were hiding. Um, So a man named Edgar, and he was, people called him Mm -hmm. E.D., Edgar Nixon, so E.D. Nixon, he was the president of the Montgomery chapter of the NAACP, and he worked with Rosa when she was the secretary, Mm -hmm. Um, and he heard the news and immediately went to bail her out, and he was there whenever she was bailed out. And then that night, um, I'm going to call him Nixon, it's not President Nixon, but (laughs) um, Nixon sat with you know, I don't remember his name, Raymond and Rosa and her mom sat in their living room and was like, Rosa, you have done something I have never seen before. You know, obviously there was the 15-year-old girl who did it, but um, he was just sitting there saying, you are one of the most inspiring people I've ever met and was just praising her and praising her and praising her. And eventually that night the black community of Montgomery planned to boycott buses on the day of her trial, which was Monday, December 5th, 1955. So it was four days after um, her arrest. Um, And by the night, by midnight, um, 35,000 flyers were made um, to be passed out into the community. They were passed out, you know, around at houses. And the majority of them were given to school children in the black communities to take home to their parents to inform them that bus... Uh, bus boycotts would be happening um and so on her trial day on december 5th after only 30 minutes like her trial was only 30 minutes long she was found guilty of violating segregation laws and she was given time and a ten dollar fine plus a four dollar fine for court costs which i'm not exactly sure the the difference that that would be you know with money i don't know how how different that would be, but I can imagine that $10 would be kind of expensive in the 50s. And they added on another fine for her having to go to court. Um, and so she had to serve time. And the the boycott grew to the point where um, Martin Luther King, he was very, very new to the Montgomery area, but he was so active um, with civil rights that he became the leader of the boycott organization group at 26. And something that a lot of people don't know is that Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks, she did not like him. A lot of people, that shocks a lot of people because they are photographed together. There's, They were seen as like very warm to each other, but she did not agree with him on a lot of the things that he did because he wasn't a perfect guy, which we're not talking about him at all. But, you know, when people think of Rosa Parks, they think of martin luther king and i think that that should totally not be happening because he wasn't the one who refused to give up his seat so um edie nixon and dr king's houses were actually bombed whenever the boycott gained popularity because it eventually gained international press and her court case went to the supreme court So it it got so... Why? Did she appeal it? Or what? I I don't know. I just know that somehow it ended up at the Supreme Court. Um, And there were a bunch of other cases that were kind of the same thing, you know, segregation just in general. Um, And so a little bit under a year later it was deemed unconstitutional on November thirteenth, 1956. And, um, The boycott ended on December 20th, 1956, which was a day after the news, you know, it was written on paper. It was a day after the news had traveled to Montgomery, Alabama. So um, the boycott ended pretty quickly after um, bus segregation was deemed unconstitutional. So after she was released from jail, she received a lot of harassment And she lost her job and a lot of people were threatening her and her family's lives. Like A lot of people hated her. So though she was being harassed and tormented, she eventually became the quote mother of the civil rights movement, which I think is something that is so, so important because you don't see a lot of women that are leading movements, you know, and Mm -hmm. that are being appreciated for leading movements. She, you know, she became this household name. She became very famous. And one thing that I saw was that she never was rich. Like she was never considered rich, even though she was this huge, amazing, like, you know, the whole nation knew her name, even though she, she, she never got money. Um, and her family received so many threats that they had to move to Detroit, Michigan, where her brother lived. Um, and something I read was that she worked as a hostess at a hotel in Michigan, um, just for a little bit, and then she eventually became an administrator an administrative aide to the Detroit office of Congressman John Coyers Junior, I think, which I don't know who that is, but apparently he was like somebody who was really influential to the black community. Um And sadly, her husband, brother, and mother passed away from cancer between the years of 1977 and 1979. So she... I know. In two years, like, all the people around her died. Um, She co-founded the Rosa and Raymond Parks Institute of Self-Development to serve the youth in Detroit. Um, And then she also served on the Planned Parenthood Board of America. Um... And eventually she got to the age where she needed to retire from her job. But that did not stop her activism. She wrote her own autobiography called Rosa Parks, My Story. Um, and then in 1999, she was awarded the Cong- Congressional Medal, um, which is the highest honor the U.S. bestows on a, a civilian. Um, which, <laughs> that's, that's, I think it's pretty awesome, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, she died of complications with dementia on October 24th, 2005. 50,000 people came to see her casket, um, and she's the first woman in national history to lie in honor at the U.S. Capitol, so she was the first woman to be buried at the U.S. Capitol, um, and there's also a statue there of her sitting on a bus seat with her face off to the side, just kind of, Mm. you know, refusing, um, and actually the bus that she refused to give up her seat in is restored and on display at the Henry Ford History Museum in Michigan. So you can go there and actually see the bus that she, um, you know, the the bus, you know. Um, and then on December 1st, 2005, transit authorities in many large cities left the seats behind the driver's seat open to commemorate her. So, because that was the day that it, it happened, um, but I guess 50 years later. Um, and in, so I'm hopping back a few years. um, She won a lot of awards that I, some of them I can't even sit and name because there are so many, Um, but in 1979, the NAACP awarded her the Spengarn Medal, which is their highest honor. And then in 1983, she was inducted into the Michigan's Women's Hall of Fame Um, And then a statue of her is sitting on a bus bench um, in front of the Rose Parks Library and Museum located at Troy University. Also, we gave a trigger
0: warning because of the issues dealt with at the beginning of the episode. um, Because they can change how people react. So also, Mm -hmm. that is part of the reason I was quiet about this episode. Not going to go into detail as to why publicly, but...
1: Yeah, it's something that you know, fortunately my episodes have been very somber, but <laughs> um it's something that nobody really talks about. And obviously I learned about her in like 5th grade and they're another not another thing tell to, us that. yeah,
0: I and went I think another thing that comes unfortunately hand in hand with talking about women in American culture or really any culture mm-hmm. is the topic of sexual assault. It's, it's, and not that that's not a men's issue, because no, there are men who are sexually but, assaulted, but, like, one in every, I want to say, like, three women... Oh, many women. ...has, like, yeah. con- like, ev- like... And there are women who, like, haven't even, like, confessed to being sexually mm-hmm. assaulted, so, like, I don't doubt that this will be the last time in this episode that, no. that that's a topic. Mm-hmm. And as much as it sucks to talk about, we're also not gonna shy away from that. No. Because, because it's, it's important. It's,
1: it's normalizing... You know, I don't want to be the person, like, let's normalize. But it normalizes the whole discussion of, you know, the fact that so many women, to the point, I want to cry about it. So many women have dealt with people taking advantage of them, using them, and hurting them intentionally. So many women, so many women that I love, you know, myself... Um, you know, there, there are a lot of people that have dealt with it. And
0: and we, we also wanted to talk about it and include it because I think I can confidently say that both of us are advocates for listening to mm-hmm. the survivor and taking yeah. that person's word above everybody else's. Mm-hmm. Unless there's like 100% solid fact oh, that yeah. that's not the case. Because like... It, it like it really is unfortunate how hand in hand
1: it's it because our bodies with... are seen as objects mm-hmm. and so you know well it's because we live in a sexualized. patriarchal society oh, yeah. where men yeah. get whatever they want it's just it's it comes down to the fact that women's bodies themselves are sexualized and they're turned into weapons you know like i saw this in a show that i was watching but it was just kind of like you walk into a room and automatically People become scared of you and, you know, can use what you're wearing against you. It's just... I hate that that's something that we have to deal with. I hate it. And I hate that it's something that people, you know... Rosa Parks was born over 100 years ago, and she had to deal with that, you know? And I, w- I would imagine
0: being a woman 100 years ago would have been scary. A woman and a, of a color. a woman of color 100, 100 years oh ago, gosh. like... But, I I mean, I can only imagine
1: being in that position. Oh, yeah. Having nobody believe you. Because even now, people don't believe us. I mean, I can imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> but, I just... I really respect Rosa Parks, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that she was single-handedly the one person that started the civil rights movement. She really triggered it. Um, and you know, the fact about the the sexual assault is so, like, unknown. I hate that. I hate that. Because, yes, it's traumatic, it's terrifying, and it is so hard to even realize that it's happened to you, but it is not something that we need to be ashamed of. Because it wasn't our decision. You know?
0: It wasn't... And we can't, like, this is a whole feminist um, podcast, we can't achieve feminist goals without... Having disgusting, our bodies yeah. being treated the same way as a man's mm-hmm. body. And you know, we, we don't wanna say that men aren't sexually abused because oh, no. one hundred and ten billion percent they, they are. are. But the rate at which women mm-hmm. are sexually abused and raped is disgusting. It's it's and a lot it than. is a feminist issue. Mm-hmm. And it's not an easy I mean, really no. the idea No matter what you're talking about, dealing with talking about somebody's mental state, somebody's physical state, being regarded as less than someone else's is a difficult topic to talk about. Talking about feminism, talking about LGBTQ plus rights, talking about um, people of color and their rights. These are not easy topics and they're not topics that should be talked about like that and something that you just glance over no and so you know we we want to say that we give weight to talking about these women all of them and all of the experiences that Mm -hmm. they've gone through because it's not easy to realize or to like digest that like human beings are regarded as less than someone because of their gender because of their Mm sexual like sexuality or because of their it's just who they are right Things that can't be changed. That's,
1: that's the thing. I've said this my whole life. Do not judge a person based on things that they can't control. Because it's like, I can't change my face shape. Like, obviously, like, I can't, I can't okay. I can't change my eye color. I can't change how long my fingers are. I can't change how long my legs are. Obviously, those are not really things that I'm going to be made fun of for. But I can't change the color of my skin. I can't change the texture of my hair and you know that people of color can't do that either nobody can and so you know thinking about oppression and segregation it disgusts me I hate 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 having class discussions about it and stuff because there are always the people that say well it wasn't as bad as they made it out to be and it's like Who are you to say that, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's always the white guys, like the white (laughs) boys that are just like, it wasn't that bad. And it's like, you have absolutely no... I don't even have an idea. I have somewhat of an idea of being oppressed because I'm a woman. But I am a white, privileged woman. I have no idea what it's like to be a poor, black woman. I have absolutely no idea what that's like. I don't even know what it's like to just be heavily oppressed because the only oppression that I receive is for being a woman and that alone should be enough to just blow people's minds like I yeah. can, I it's something that I have never been able to understand and it's been very very difficult for me to talk about because I get so angry about it and it's like I could pull out the facts but I get so flustered and angry that somebody would decide to this is another reason I think that we decided to create this
0: episode or not this episode specifically but this podcast because it is easy to discuss all of these topics Mm -hmm. in an emotional manner Um, and a lot of people will accuse you of being wrong because you're taking an emotional Mm -hmm. approach to it but we are presenting you with Facts, Mm -hmm. Like, historical facts that cannot be denied. Mm -hmm. And, like, these things, above all else, should prove to you that, like, there is a history worldwide, internationally, Mm -hmm. of oppression of women. And, in this episode, oppression of people of color. Like, Mm -hmm. these are just facts. Mm -hmm. Like... There's no. Uh, people are gonna be mad at me for saying this, I know, but there's no other way to put it. It's just a fact. Mm-hmm. And it's a fact, as you'll see in our later episodes, mm-hmm. that it's still happening. Oh, yeah. It's still happening to this day. To this second. Like, it, it. I mean, I honestly think that I've experienced some form of sexism almost daily.
1: Oh, yeah. Every. Yes! And it it gets
0: more obvious the older I get.
1: When are you going to have kids? When are you going to, you know, when are you, like, what kind of house do you want? Like, and are you going to, like, like, it's just the whole, like, it's the whole fact of just that cleaning products, you know, household, you know, I I can't think of. like pink tacks. Yes. uh, The pink Everything It's targeted towards women. These cleaning things, these household maintenance things, children. It's all targeted towards women. And it's something that, you know, I applaud Rosa Parks for never having kids. Because that's something, not only did she, you know, protest segregation, but she said, I am not going to become a housewife. <laughs> she said, no, thank you. And that's something that has been instilled in me since I was born, that I'm going to grow up to become a mother. And I think these generations that we're going to have that are babies, little kids now, they're not going to have that same sort of, you know, you know, grow up, have a kid, have a baby, settle down, find a husband, get married, die, you know, like, it's just, they're not going to have that same kind of, because I don't want to raise my kids to think that, you know, obviously... I have a desire to become a mother, but not in the same way that, like you and I have talked about this before, not in the same way that our mothers are mothers or their mothers are mothers. Like I want to go out there and live my life just because I'm a woman does not mean that I have to throw my entire life away for children. That that just, it blows my mind that women are seen as baby makers. (laughs) I understand, you know, that's the physically something that we can do which is amazing first of all we can literally have a human (laughs) being inside of us and then push it out that is so cool right
0: it's pretty cool not
1: everybody is gonna use that obviously like not everybody like i don't really want to give birth but i would like one day i would like to have a child that is made up of part of me you know that's something that's really special but i also would love to help children who need help you know that don't have those kinds of people in their lives that want to to love them and save them forever. And I don't think that that's something that should just be single-handedly a woman's job. I think I love it. I love stay-at-home dads. <laughs> I think that they're incredible. I think that, you know, obviously I'm kind of putting them up on this little pedestal which is my internalized misogyny, but it's like seeing men become do the bare minimum, honestly. <laughs> It's fascinating to me, which I hate. But what's more fascinating to me is seeing women out there in the business industry. I love AOC because she is out there. She is a freaking congresswoman and she is doing her job. And she is a woman. Like, I adore it. We officially have our first female vice president. Mm -hmm. How crazy is that? Like, the first female. And she's a person of color. Like, It blows my mind. I think that if Rosa Parks were alive today, she would be like... I I, I can't even imagine, you know? And I'm going to kind of move towards the election and all that. With the election coming out, a lot of people are saying, okay, well, we have to hate on Biden now. Like, hate, hate, hate Biden. Like, now that Trump's gone, we can hate, hate, hate on Biden. It's like, can we not just celebrate how Mm -hmm. amazing it is First of all, to get Trump out. Second (laughs) of all, to get somebody who, you know, claims to care about, you know, civil rights, care about the environment, care about equality for all, and care about, you know, COVID and taking care of COVID. Like, not even that, but the fact that we have the very first woman, like, I can't, I am so grateful to be alive at the time when mm-hmm. there is a woman in the presidential like round like I can't even believe it. You know Biden and Harris or Biden and Harris are not wonderful people. I know that. But I think that
0: But you're never gonna
1: have a no, president. To to be in alive at this time is something to celebrate, you know? And I think that we've come really far but there's still a lot of work to do. So um I know that this episode, you know, m- more so about Rosa Parks, wasn't super feminist-based. But I think, like we said before, feminism is about equality for all. And so, it's it's like, that includes people of color. Mm-hmm. That includes everybody. That doesn't, like, not include people. You know? It's this, it's this whole thing that comes down to what I just said. I was just, <laughs> equality for all that's all feminism is yeah feminism isn't
0: women are greater than men it's feminism it it, like feminism yeah all females are equal to all males Mm -hmm. that's like all we want that's all we want and you know and we're not there no i don't want to get like i you know speaking of class discussions there's all the guys who sit in your high school class discussions and they're like oh that you are equal to me but we're not and no. that's why we're giving you these episodes even if i mean you can see similarities of today from our 1920s episode mm-hmm. like uh, literally 100 years ago like if if these are not proving to you that like we're, Yes, we, we have come farther. I can vote oh, yeah. as a woman. I can own land as a woman. Mm-hmm. I can start my own business as mm-hmm. a woman. And I am very grateful for these things. But it's... If a man can do it, so can I. And I
1: should legally mm-hmm. and uh, morally be allowed to do and those a lot things. And people disagree with that. Which, you know, everyone has the right to their opinion unless it's hurting people. And I think that that opinion does hurt people. Mm-hmm. But... I chose, you know, I came up with the F word because you say feminism or feminist and so many people are disgusted by it. And I think a lot of the reason is because it stems from the word fem, <laughs> And a lot of people think that that means women higher, you know. But if you look at, I, you can't see my hands right now, but I'm showing a little graph here. The, if you look at, you know, pay rates, equality, you know, anything, you know. The wage gap exists, by the way. The wage way. gap, yeah. The men, their their pay is going to be a little bit higher. That's not okay. It's not and okay. And people can
0: say, "Oh, but it's just a little bit." But like, it should not it be a little bit. It comes down to the fact that every single one of us are human mm-hmm. beings. We are born differently, yes. But I'm a human being. Mm-hmm. Emma sitting in front of me is a human being the men in my life are human beings the people of color in my life are human beings Mm -hmm. the lgbtq plus community in my life are human beings and like i mean it's literally written into our constitution like we the people Mm -hmm. like liberty and justice for Mm -hmm. all like all means all. But it's
1: turned into this thing where people are in cages at the border. People aren't being let into this country. It's it's turning into I'm
0: this... Like, my, my whole thing is, like, who are who are you mm-hmm. to decide that you or someone else is better than someone else? That's where sex it's is not, it? It's not oppression. your... Like, yeah. who are you to decide that you're better because of a trait that you
1: hold? It's just... It, it's something that is so integrated into the, the way that we function it, you know I, I hate that I have to have internalized misogyny I hate it
0: it's it I, I hate I, it makes me want to vomit admitting this but internalized misogyny internalized racism and internalized homophobia mm-hmm. are real things oh yeah and I think it's why it's easier to be um, sexist, I think it's why it's easier to be racist mm-hmm. and why it's easier to be homophobic so because just, those, not I, I don't think that they're natural human behaviors, no, but, but I think that they're natural societal yeah. behaviors. And so, I mean, yet another reason we're making this podcast is to be a part of that the change, social change yeah. because it's not going to change without the retraining no. of young people's and old people's oh, brains yeah. and minds
1: and you and i are two 17 year old girls sitting in middle of nowhere arkansas and it's like <laughs> what are we gonna do but obviously but i mean even if just one person, one person can hear it. Yeah. that yeah. that means something even if we weren't recording this right now kate and i would walk away with learning something mm-hmm. And, like, what you just said about internalized racism, homophobia, and sexism, like, literally what you just said, I want to scream with joy because you just said that, because it's something that so many people are like, well, I'm not racist. And I'm like, me, myself, I have had sex- I've said sexist, racist, and homophobic things. I've had those thoughts, said those things in my life, but that- But that doesn't mean that you can't change. Oh, yeah. And, like- it's something that is it's a it's a fight and i think i said this in the last episode but fighting fighting the the ease that it that it takes to to be hateful fighting how easy that is and finding the courage to be kind and spread love and respect other human beings it's difficult it's it's so hard because i find myself driving and i'm like oh their car's ugly they're stupid (laughs) they're driving terribly they're they're an idiot and it's like hold on That is probably an elderly person who doesn't know how to drive because they got their license at 16 years old. And literally, I I just like, it's this whole thing where you have to sit back in your brain and tell yourself, no, that's wrong. And so many people don't want to put in the effort to get that little thing in their head to tell them that's wrong. Like so many people are so ignorant and so lazy to the point where they're not going to do that. And I think that it begins with what we teach people, you know? Like, I think that misogyny and sexism is taught to us in school. It definitely is, because literally, I remember, you know, you know, there were boy toys and girl toys. All I wanted for Christmas was Barbies and pink and stuff like that. And the fact that there is a tax, a pink tax, there it, you, I despise the <laughs> fact that women have to pay, you know, upmost 8-9 dollars for a pack of pads. Their body does that and you can get a roll of toilet paper for like a dollar. And it's like, why on earth? Because my just because my body naturally does something, I have to push more and get nothing back. And it <laughs> Um we can make a whole other podcast about that, but it's just, you know, Kate and I Love to sit here and just go on and on and on. Probably should wrap this up now. But learning about these women, it really inspires me to do something, you know? Because what we're doing is small, but listening to these women who changed the way society was run, like Eleanor Roosevelt changed what it's like to be a first lady. Um, Rosa Parks literally like started the civil rights movement. (laughs) So. Um, I just wanted to say thank you for listening to this episode.
0: We also want to, or I at least, want to say that, um, if you did listen to the episode and you, um, I don't really know how to word this, if you listened to the episode and you had trouble listening to certain sections of it, um, specifically I'm personally talking about the, um, sexual abuse sections of it, like, that's Okay that's normal and you don't have to be ashamed for the way that you emotionally, mentally, Mm -hmm. and physically respond to something because no matter how hard you try, you can't really control that. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I also, on the same note, wanna say that that does get better and more controllable. And so don't lose hope because like one day you will be able to hear these stories and gather power from them rather than this immense feeling of dread and nervousness and fear so mm-hmm. if you listened to it like know that it'll get
1: easier to hear mm-hmm. those things so um ending on a positive note um we love you guys so much i know we say that every episode but we really do like um oh my gosh i need to get my quote <laughs> okay so this quote i found it said i would like to be known as a person who is concerned about freedom equality and justice and prosperity for all people so that's feminism you know like that's something that i think is really really special the way that she just worded that it's special because she's like freedom equality justice and prosperity for all people that was a quote um so we hope that you guys enjoyed um you are strong and powerful and we love you if you have anything you would like to say to us go ahead and dm us on instagram always open um once again we love you thank you so much for listening to this episode and we will see you next week bye goodbye